In the book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I talk about the fact that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. In fact, my favorite leadership proverb is, He that thinketh he leadeth, and hath no one following him is only taking a walk. And I know, and you know all kind of people who are just taking walks. I would like to say to you this evening that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's the greatest leader that ever lived. Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato taught for 50, Aristotle for 40. 130 years, these three philosophers combined to do teaching that has affected the world, but Jesus taught for three years. And Jesus in his three years of teaching has influenced more people than Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle. Jesus never painted a picture. But Leonardo da Vinci, Raphael, Michelangelo, they were inspired and some of the greatest masterpieces that ever been given to humanity were given because of the life of Jesus. Jesus never wrote poetry, but Dante and Milton and other poets were inspired and said the greatest words when they talked about Jesus. He never wrote music, never composed a song about Jesus. In 1972, as a young pastor, my life was radically changed when I read a book, a book on spiritual leadership. In fact, it was from a New Zealander, Oswald Sanders. And as a young pastor, wanting to know how to lead i just devoured that book it when i finished i just wrote all over it and in the back of things that god spoke to me about leadership and and then i started going to the bible and i began to see what the bible talks about leadership and i became greatly encouraged when when i saw so much biblical truth about leadership and i began to gather pastors together in 1974 and 1975 in the states and I would sit down with them and I, I would teach them that everything rises and falls on leadership. And the good news is they knew how to share their faith and get people to heaven. But the bad news is they didn't know how to, to grow great churches. And I began to teach pastors how to lead. I used to have pastors only conferences. And then their wives would, would write in and say, my, my husband's changed. Can, can I come too? So I'd let the wives come. And then, then they said, well, we're going back to our church. Can we bring some Christian businessmen? So I began to let them come in. And, and then Christian businessmen began to say, well, could you come to our company? And in the process of about 10 years, I went from teaching pastors to Christian businessmen to, to going into the secular corporate type of a culture in the United States. In fact, I was recently speaking to the largest lumber broker company in the world. All day long, I'd been teaching about leadership, teaching principles. And when the day was finished, we were doing a little Q&A at the end of the hour. And, and, and one of the senior vice presidents of the company raised his hand and said, John, I've got to ask you a question. He said, this leadership stuff that you've given us all day, he said, it's fresh, it's, it's new, it's, it's kind of different. It, it doesn't feel like, like corporate America. He said, um, do you mind if I ask you, what? Where did you get your leadership material? I looked at him and I said, you don't want to know. No, I said, no, I really do want to know. And I looked back at him and I said, trust me, you don't want to know. But this time every hand was raised in the little area that I, the retreat I was speaking in there. I said, no, tell us where you get the material. And finally I said, okay, you, you push me. 
I said, everything I know about leadership, I learned from the Bible. And then I shared with those men, and I shared with the people of that company that they would just read the book of Proverbs every day for a whole month. They would just get all kind of leadership principles and ideas. And, and then I said, I see you've got a cocktail hour at 6.30. I said, I'll be there. I'll hang on in the corner. And if you really want to know about the Bible and what it says about leadership or about life, I said, I'll just be there with you. I'll be glad to answer questions. And for that hour from 6.30 to 7.30, the line never stopped. As, as secular people were beginning to ask me questions about leadership and I could tell you story after story even out of that setting but here's what I know everything I know about leadership I learned from God's Word and and when you really want to learn leadership you don't have to go far you just have to go to Jesus and go to the Gospels and and he teaches us about leadership and if you would allow me I don't have a lot of time tonight I mean you got in late we're tired I understand that I'll let you out at midnight but I would like to share with you three or four things that Jesus is just, things that I'm learning now, right now about what Jesus teaches me about leadership. In fact, as I was thinking about this conference, I literally, I just, I put this stuff down on my little cards here and, 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 and kind of laminated them, which means that, you know, that if it's laminated, it's of God. <laughs> if I would have been Moses going up on top of Mount Sinai, I wouldn't have come down with tablets of stone. You can break those things. I'd have come down with laminated cards with the Ten Commandments, sticking them in every Jewish pocket I could find. And when I look at the life of Jesus and his leadership, the first thing he teaches me is about servanthood. You see, if Jesus were here tonight and he was doing a leadership conference to us, the first thing he would teach us is leadership is servanthood. He would say, if we're going to lead, the first thing we need to do is know how to serve. I think Paul's most moving passage about Jesus is in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses here out of the message. He's telling us and teaching us how to think correctly. He says, think of yourselves in the way that Jesus thought of himself. He had no equal status with God. But didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And when he died, he died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. You see, when I read this passage of Scripture, I realize that, that Jesus was willing to, to surrender to the Father's will, and Jesus was willing to sacrifice the privileges and, and, and the position of heaven, that he was willing to, to come here on earth and, and live among us and serve us, and he was willing, of course, to suffer on the cross. No wonder Jesus would say to all of us tonight, if he were here, that leadership begins with servanthood. No wonder he would say to us that if we want to save our life, we have to lose our life. If we want to be first, we've got to be last. If we want to rule, we've got to serve. There's a pyramid that I teach in leadership. Christians get it. Corporate community has a little difficult time with it, but when I get done teaching it, they begin to understand it. It's basically a, a pyramid. If you can picture it in your mind for a moment, at the, at the bottom of the pyramid, you can go to the left or the right. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of options. But the higher you go in the pyramid, the higher that you go in the organization, the higher you go in the church, the higher you go in the government, the higher you go in the, in, in, in the church, the higher you go, the less options you have. 
And by the time you get to the top, you're out of options. When people say they want to be a leader, I always ask them why. It's very interesting. People say, well, you know, man, if you're a leader, oh, whoa, you got a parking space. <laughs> oh, love that parking space. And they begin to talk about the privileges and the perks of a leader. And I'm just here to tell you that you, you give it up. If, you, if you're going to be a leader, the first thing you realize is you're here to add value to people. You're to serve people. In the States, we have a, an expression we think is a leadership expression. You probably don't have it here in Australia. We, we sometimes will hear somebody that's a, the leader and they'll say, it's lonely at the top. Did you ever hear that expression here? Well, you know, kind of in a sanctimonious way, they'll say, oh my, it's, <laughs> it's, it's lonely at the top. Now, a leader never said that. Think about it. If you're at the top all alone, nobody's following you here's a thought get off the top go down where the people are touch them because leaders always bring people with them because they understand the value of a servant's heart in the Gospels we have a classic example of what I'm wanting to teach as far as the life of Jesus and servanthood. Within a few hours, we see two leaders picking up basins and filling them with water. Jesus, of course, in the upper room as he sat around the table with his disciples, picked up the basin, filled it with water, and he went around and he washed the disciples' feet. I call this basin leadership. Jesus picked up a basin and put others before himself. Pilate, in a conflicting moment as a leader, caving into the pressure that people asked for a basin of water to be brought to him also. But when he took the basin of water, instead of putting others first or truth first, he washed his hands and put himself first. Jesus, the secure leader, knew what it was like to stoop and serve others. You see, the secure, the secure leaders, they are into towels. The insecure leaders are into titles. The secure leaders are people conscious and the insecure leaders are position conscious. And Jesus understood this entire process and as he looked at his disciples, isn't it interesting, the only time in the Gospels he basically told the disciples to do as he did. The only time that Jesus said, excuse me guys, but I just want you to know, in this area, follow the model and the pattern that I've given you. The only time he did it in the Gospels was here when he began to serve and, and care for and wash the disciples' feet. Ten years ago, literally ten years ago, yesterday, I resigned a large church in San Diego, California to basically serve the body of Christ. And I can remember as a pastor battling that issue of giving up this large church. And, and, and I, I was talking to God and said, God, you've got to understand, I, you know, a leader's known by what they lead and, 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 and what their organization looks like. And, and I, I'm going to leave all of this. 
I'll never forget, Jesus said, for 25 years you've pastored. And he said it this way to me, John. He said, for 25 years you've kept count. Give it up. And for the next 25 years, I'll do the counting for you. And one of the things I did at that time was I picked a list of, of people in the body of Christ that I wanted to serve. I called it my top 10 list. And for the last 10 years, I've just done my best very quietly. Some of them don't even know. They, I've never gone, I don't walk into the life and say, I, I think I want to serve you. They don't even have, a, some of them don't have no, no, no understanding of this at all. But I just said, I'm going to commit my life to serving these people and adding to the body of Christ. Because I want to tell you something, if you're secure, the, only the secure will stretch and only the secure will stoop. The insecure do not have that type of dynamic in their life. If Jesus were here tonight, he would look at all of us and he would say to us, servanthood is where you'll start if you want to be a leader. Another thing that Jesus is teaching me about leadership is about priorities. In the Sermon on the Mount, we know he tells us that we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto us. It's interesting, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's this one passage of Scripture that just grabs me, and it, and it just kind of fits into where I am tonight. Jesus is teaching, he says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. In other words, he's saying focus. He's saying concentrate. Take care of today. He was saying to us, today matters. Today matters. Lot would tell you that. When, when, when the messengers of God said, get out of Sodom, and he wanted to hesitate, and they had to help him out, he would say, today matters, I can promise you. Joshua would say, today, today matters, as he looked at the Israel, the country of Israel, the people of Israel that he had led for several years in his last speech and said, choose you this day who you may serve. Esther would tell you today matters as she got the note from Uncle Mordecai. Who knows, but you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. David would tell you today matters. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Today matters. I find a lot of Christians, a lot of leaders have what I call destination disease. They'll come up to me. They'll say, oh, John, could you help me? I want to know, I want to know God's will for my life. Could you just kind of help me? Just, I really want to know what God has planned for my future. And I always disappoint them because I tell them it's no sweat. You see, trying to discover God's will, that's no big deal. All you got to do is take care of today. Listen, obey God today. Don't worry about next year. Don't worry about next decade today matters obey him today you see most Christians are educated way beyond the level of their obedience and never try to explain God until you first obeyed him if Jesus were to come in and talk to us about leadership he would say make servanthood your foundation 
learn to prioritize and understand how to manage the daily areas of your life correctly. And thirdly, he would say, learn to relate well with others. He would talk about relationships. In fact, I've been very surprised recently as I've been spending a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount, how much of that time is dedicated just to getting along with people. Leadership and relationships are intertwined. Let me put it this way. People won't go along with you if they can't get along with you. Teaches me about team building. Jesus teaches me, Jesus teaches me that if you're going to do something significant, you've got to build a team. In fact, one is too small of a number to achieve greatness. Teamwork makes the dream work. Just follow their lead. And when you build a team and put them together, it's the only way that you can compound your vision and go from me to we is by getting people to buy in to the dream. And Jesus knew it. And he had this mission to please the Father and obey him to seek and save those which were lost. And so the first thing he did when he started his public ministry is he, he gathered a team together. If you study Jesus and how he built a team, first of all, he knew his mission. And secondly, he equipped his disciples in a life-related context. I spent a year in the Gospels asking myself, how did Jesus teach and equip leaders? And, and it's very simple. It's what I call Jesus' idea of discipleship. He instructed them in a life-related context. He demonstrated for them in a life-related context. He exposed them and gave them experiences in a life-related context. And he assessed them and brought them into accountability in a life-related context. That's a whole sermon in itself. But Jesus not only did that, but Jesus understood that if you're going to develop leaders, you've got to spend time 